thank all of you for being here tonight, and uh, if you would, how many of you appreciate that you have a copy of God's Word? Amen. Isn't that a blessing? And you know, uh, we, we probably don't give as much thought to that as we should, but when you go into other countries, it's not the same. Uh, you know, uh, I was shocked when I went to uh, Kenya for the first time, the only time, and would speak to many of the pastors, and they would only have one Bible in the whole church, and they had it. And they would have to loan it out for just short periods of time because they had to have it uh, for be able to prepare and preach their messages. But thankfully, uh, because of the gifts and the love offerings and the giving of God's people here in America, they've been able to give a lot of Bibles and get a lot of Bibles printed and uh, out to the Kenyans. And so we appreciate that. Their language is Swahili. And uh, it's quite a, I think it's a beautiful language. But anyway, I'm glad we have English. Amen. And I'm glad we got the Bible here. Now, would you open it to the precious gospel uh, according to Matthew chapter 6 tonight? And we're going to look at a subject that I hope will be helpful. The Lord Jesus teaching here, we know that this is the Sermon on the Mount. So there's a lot of instruction. What a lesson. Uh, not only lesson, uh, it's a sermon. A lot of preaching, a lot of good teaching. But man, this is the Lord Jesus just opening up his heart and teaching uh, some powerful truths and so even in this chapter here in chapter 6 he deals with prayer he deals with fasting and then in verse 19 really uh, we need to get the context if we're going to because I don't want to preach out of verse 19 through 24 I want to look at verse 25 through 34 but to get the context we must realize the Lord Jesus is teaching so he's going from subject to subject but in verse 19 the Bible says this lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. As I say that, I know they didn't steal anything, but I was walking across the parking lot tonight from the gym, and man, that light out there was shining right in my face. I said, something's not right. So I walked up there, and uh, someone's busted our light and knocked it right off of the, supposed to be shining up on the, the flag, and someone's broke it. And I thought, it's just out of meanness. I texted uh, course who I always text when it comes to electrical issues Dickie Crabtree and uh, brother Dickie said oh no somebody broke it and so I sent him a picture and he's gonna come and look at it tomorrow and so brother Dickie if you wasn't planning on it you have to now I just said it out loud now he's why I told him at any time he can do it at his convenience but I, I just thought the day we live in I mean really the Bible says here we ought to be careful laying up our treasures on earth because look it's not guaranteed you're not guaranteed to keep it so look at verse 20, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now here it is. This is really what he's drawn down to no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon that word God mammon is the the worldly pleasures of this world or the worldly things that you can attain by the way that people steal and that rust corrupts and so you understand the process but then he says therefore now again I've said when he says, therefore, you have to understand why it's therefore. <laughs> so in verse 25, he's telling you why it's there because he just dealt 
telling his people, he's teaching, he's saying, look, you cannot serve God and mammon. You're going to be more worried about the one and you're going to despise the other. And that's so true. The Bible says wherever our heart is, that's where we're going to put our time and effort in. So the Lord's drawing down something here. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? In other words, you said you need these things, but isn't your life more important than these things? People live their whole life for mammon, and that's what you got. Well, look what he says, verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Think of that. And why take ye thought? Look at, um, certainly that's not mine, is it? Oh, okay. Hey, verse 28 says, And uh, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, I want you to mark that, he says that twice. Therefore take no thought, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that he have need of all these things. He knows what we need. Look at verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. There it is again. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Heavenly Father, again, I pray you'll open up our hearts. Use your word, speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the thought, here's the message. He keeps saying in this passage, um, take therefore no thought, mark it, verse 34, verse 31. Do you know what that means? Here it is, it's very simple, stop worrying. That's what it means, stop worrying. Now here's the message, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Now happy, happy is a choice. Worrying is a choice. Happy is, is something that can change. Sadness, happiness can change. It's dictated by circumstances. But I want you to understand, have you ever heard these words? Well, just don't worry about it. Now, I don't know about you. Now, we're not supposed to worry, but I, I, it bothers me when people say, like, in other words, well, you don't have to worry about it because it's not yours. So here's what we say. Well, just don't worry about it. You ever heard somebody say that before? Now, have you ever heard those words? They said it to you, but here's the thing. Probably, probably not the best words to say, and they're easier to say, but it's a little harder to put into practice. Now, in essence, that's exactly what the scripture here is saying. In verse 25, I want you to notice, he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. There it is again, take no thought. That means stop worrying. He said, you don't need to be worrying. And then he keeps going through, verse 31, verse 34. We see it over and over and over. He said, just don't worry. 
But, it, but look, it's another thing. When people say to us, well, just don't worry about it, I get it. But it's even that much greater when someone says, hey, don't worry, and they tell you why. Well, that's what the Lord does. He just doesn't say, well, take no thought tomorrow. Take no thought tomorrow. Take no thought tomorrow. Just don't worry about it. He's not just saying that flippantly. Oh, well, just don't worry about it. In other words, when someone tells us that, we're normally, we don't want to talk about it. We're just telling someone to get over it. But see, the Lord does it greater than that. He gives us a reason why. He gives us reasons why. He doesn't say, just don't worry about it, Mark. Then he gives us reasons why we shouldn't worry about it. Now, if I told you all tonight, if I could remind you that worry causes ulcer and it causes high blood pressure, but what would that make you do? Y'all know what it would make most of you do? Worry. By the way, it does cause those things. If you talk to most doctors and they'll be honest with you, they'll be honest with you. If they'll be honest, they will tell you more. most of our health issues are stress and worry related. There's no doubt about it. So let's just be honest. We all worry, don't we? And I've learned this. I've learned the older you get, the worse you do it. Can somebody give me a witness? It's true. We all worry, don't we? The ignorant worry because they don't know enough. The knowledgeable, they worry because they know too much. The rich worry because they're afraid of losing what they have. The poor worry because they don't have enough. The old worry because they're facing death. The young worry because they're facing life. Just some simple quotes about worry. I found these and I thought it interesting. Blessed is the man who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too sleepy to worry at night. A problem not worth praying about is not worth worrying about. Why pray when you can worry? The only place perpetual worry will get you ahead of time is the cemetery. So worry affects our total being, doesn't it? If we're stressing, if we're worrying over something, if we're taking thought over things, it, 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 it consumes all of us. It consumes our our total, our total being, our mind, our spirit, our body. So we must get our mind, our spirit, and our body involved in certain things in order not to worry. And God gives them here. Now let's look at the ways to, to help us, for God to give us victory over worrying. Circumstances really don't matter, but we say, oh yes, they do. And I'm going to be honest, I say circumstances don't matter, but in the light of things, they really do matter. To us. But to be fair, we can worry no matter what our circumstances are. And by the way, I have ran into people that prove that time and time again. <laughs> Being honest. And uh, there are some people that are more prone to worry, but all of us are prone to worry. But worry is the opposite of faith. I want you to think about that. Worry is the opposite of faith. So we must trust now, verse 30, the Bible says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Notice what he deals. He deals right with the issue. He says, Oh, ye little faith. So he's dealing with people that are worrying. If they're going to be worrying about things, then he says, Look, that is the opposite of faith. And the just shall live by worry. The just shall live by faith. Now, it's not always easy to do. But we have to trust the Lord. 
By the way, three times in this passage, God says, take no thought. That means don't worry. In this whole, from verse 25 all the way through verse 34, the Lord says that over three times. He says it. He repeats it. By the way, we get frustrated with people that repeat the same things. But here's what's amazing. Normally, if somebody repeats something, it's worth repeating. But again, God redirects us, and here's what he does in this passage. He redirects us to channel our thoughts another direction than worry. What do we do? How do we do that? My wife read a book. I would um, recommend it to all of you. It's uh, Pulling Weeds and Planting Seeds. It's, it's dealing with this thought of, okay, if you're going to sit and dwell on the bad, normally if you just sit there and do that, you're going to continue to do it. So what do you have to do? You have to replace that. If you're going to sit there and dwell on a weed, the only way of getting that weed out is pull it out, put a, put, put a seed in there. And that's what the Lord's saying here. He said, look, y'all are looking at this all wrong. He said, look, I want you to redirect your thoughts. You've got to replace your bad thoughts with good thoughts. Now, when we're in the middle of a circumstance, it's hard sometimes to not take thought of our life or our need or our hurt or our struggle. But God says, look, take no thought of these things. Why? And then he gives us the reasons. And so I want to look at the reasons tonight. Very simply, number one, here is one little simple way that we can redirect our thoughts. Quit thinking about the things that's making us worry. And let's get our eyes, our mind, and our body focused on the greatness of God. Think of his greatness. Now, I don't know about y'all, but he's great. You know what I thought about today, and I've said it the last few days. It amazes me. I'm thankful. And, and I'm not saying that people that are born in another country that never heard the gospel, God's good to them too. But I want y'all to know, I'm thankful that I was born in a home where someone, they had the Bible there, and from the very small age, I was taught the word of God. Salvation is not something that is foreign to me. It's not something that I've just heard. I was raised on it. Now you might say, Pastor, why is that a big deal? Will you go into a hospital room with me when there's someone there possibly getting ready to die and you can tell in a matter of moments that those people that you're talking to have no idea or any, any compensation, any comprehension about what it means to be saved. But now that someone might be on their deathbed, it becomes important to them. Now, I say to this, it ought to be important to us all. But I thought about this. What is the difference between me and someone else? Well, it could just be that I was born in a home that God was so good and showed such mighty that I was born in a home that knew the Bible. But then let's say to you tonight, you say, okay, well, I wasn't born in a home where I was taught the Bible. But praise God, God showed his power, God showed his greatness by revealing himself to you in the way that he did. He's great. We need to think about his great. So what is he pointing out here? He's dealing with his providing for us. He's great in his provision for us. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? And yes, we are. We are. That's the answer to that question. We are more important than birds. But yet the Lord is great to the birds. He clothes the birds. He takes care. So he says, behold the fowls. Have you ever watched birds? Now, I don't know about you. I... 
you might. I'm not a bird watcher. But if you're hunting and you're up in a tree stand and you have hours to do things, when something walks around in front of you, it's amazing. You learn a lot about animals by watching them. And I'll watch birds. I've watched turkeys. I've watched woodpeckers. I've watched a bunch of little birds. I don't even know the names of them. But you know what I've always learned about birds? They always seem happy. They're all, none, of their, none of their singing is sad. And I thought about that. I said, man, they don't even have to worry. They don't even have it in them to worry. Hey, listen, and, and he says, look, look at the birds. He said, just search the birds. Behold the fowls. Behold their bounty. Behold their plenty. Behold how they always sing. They're always singing with thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, can, then he says, consider the lilies. Now, I'm not, I love looking at flowers. I don't like raising flowers. There's a lot of work. And uh, we don't do a real good job around that at our house anyhow. <laughs> but hey, but here's what he said. Look at the lilies. Why? We can learn. We can observe them. Observe their beauty. They're beautiful. Flowers are beautiful. Lilies are beautiful. But here's the other thing. They're provided for. You ever seen a lily go and say, hey, I need water? No. By the way, that's normally why something dies is somebody don't water them. But look, when you look, he says, look, at, consider the lilies. He said, look, I want you to observe. Do you ever just sit and take time to observe God's creation? You can learn a lot from it. We're such in a fast-paced world. Look, here's what he's saying. He says, I want you to look, at, behold the fowls, look at the fowls, consider the lilies. They're going to shrivel up and die. They're, we're going to be plucked up out of the ground and put in the oven. But yet God's greatness takes care of the flowers and the birds. Or is he not going to take care of us? So the wonder of his provisions. Then look at the worth of his people. Here's what he says. Look at verse 26. It's very simple. He says, Be all the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. But then at the end, are you not much better? Yes! We're so much more better than they. We're more valuable. We're more valuable. We're more superior. Hey, listen. If God does all of this for the plants and he does it all for the animals, what will he do for us? What has he done for us? Somebody say amen. Yeah. We're worrying about the things that he hasn't done. See, he's redirecting our thoughts. He wants us to consider his, his greatness. Why? Because he provides for us. His, he provides. Then he says, look, I want you to remember this. You're more important. than the, Why would he bring this illustration? He's the greatest teacher. Why would he bring up a fowl and a, and a flower? What a lesson. And then he even goes far and say, look at the grass. We're going to burn it in the oven, yet I take care of the grass. Will I not take care of you? See, he's wanting to redirect our thoughts. But see, when our circumstances get dark and we get in a place where we're worried, we don't want to think about that stuff. <laughs> but we need to think about God's greatness. We need to think that he provides. We need to think about our work. Our work. Look, we're more superior to plants and animals. If they are the glory of his creation, have mu how much more should we be? So we think of the greatness. Next time you start to worry, think of his greatness. I, I would love my grandma Brandon. I've said this before. My grandma Brandon was a worrier. She worried. And it's what amazed me, you know, I get a little bit more now that I'm older. But when I was a child, 
I was like, my goodness, I don't want to live like that. But I mean, we would go up on the mountain to go hunting. She said, y'all be careful. She said, that wind's going to get up and one of them trees is going to fall down and roll over and get you. I mean, that's what she'd say. And then she was scared to death of that pond out there. Every pond up on the mountain had a sinkhole in it. And I had this idea that if you got near those, I was like, is that any different water? I, I go wading in the new river all the time, but what's different with these ponds? She was worried about it. But you know what? I wouldn't have done it out of respect, but I would say now probably to Grandma, Grandma, listen, let me just say this. I think God's greater than a tree falling down and killing me. Now, in, in application, what do we worry about day after day after day after day? And by the way, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I worry. And I'm going to give you some thoughts at the end why it's a waste of time to do it. It's a waste of resources to do it. So we need to think of his greatness. Then he said this, redirect your thoughts. Only think of my greatness, but he says, trust in my grace. Look at verse 30 and verse 31. Here's what he says. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Here's what's amazing to me. He says, in other words, I'm going to take care of the grass, but tomorrow they're not even. Here's what he's trying to say. It's temporary. We're forever. We're eternal. So if he's going to put a lot of time, I've heard people do that. Now, Mark, you don't need to put a lot of time in it. Why? Because it ain't going to last long. Okay. Well, some people do. But God says, look, I do. But if he's going to do that with the temporary, even so much more with us being eternal. If he does that for the grass, how much more will he do for us in the magnitude and quantity? Again, remember, take no thought. Take no thought. Think of his greatness. Think of his goodness. Think of it. It is a sign of little faith to worry about these things. Trust in the work of his grace. How many of y'all believe he knows what he's doing? Amen. But in the middle of our darkest clouds, we, we start to doubt him. And I'm not going to say that you're not spiritual for doing that. We all are human. He knows our frame. But he also knows these people's frame. And so he's trying to encourage them to give them truth, instruction, that they can overcome and have victory over worry. Take no thought. Take no thought. Then notice this, verse 32, he looks at the wisdom of his grace. Look at verse 21, the Bible says in verse 21, for when you're, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then in verse 24, he says, no man can serve two masters. Because again, this is all linked. He's trying to teach them a truth. That if you'll serve me, you ain't going to have to worry about it. But if you're going to be, whatever you're going to serve, that's where your heart's going to lead. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying there's a life of many who their life is consumed by the pursuit of materialism. Now, here's what he says. Don't worry because your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Look at the, the verse there. He says, do we not know that he knows that our heavenly father knows all that we need? How many of y'all believe he knows what, I need, what, we, what we need? Now, I, I know this sounds simple, but I'm a human father. I'm a human grandfather. If you're a, if you're a father or a mother, do you not take thought of what your children need? And we're human. God knows what we need. And so we worry and fret about so many things. We need to understand. We need to understand the wisdom. He knows all about it. 
Do you understand that 12 times in this chapter 6, the word Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, 12 times in this passage. In chapter 6, Heavenly Father is 12 times your Heavenly Father. Why should we not worry? Because look, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows what His children need. I knew, me and my wife knew what our children needed. I mean, we were in tune enough with them. We knew what they needed. And of course, the, the mother is more in tune with their physical needs more so normally than the fathers are. But we know the needs. So if I'm human and limited, God's not. He knows. His wisdom is perfect. He knows what we need. So we need to recognize the wisdom of His grace. He knows all about it. He's the beginning and the end. He's somewhere all of that in the middle too. And so we need to understand, we need to redirect our thoughts of the struggles of our world. We need to think of his greatness. We need to think how he provides for us. We need to think of our worth to him. And I'm not saying that in a haughty way. He made the comparison. I'm not. He said, look at the fowls. Look at the plants. Look at the grass. I'm taking care of them. He says, you're more superior than them. So you're wasting your time worrying about things. Here's what he says. I got you. But I want you to understand this. He wants us to redirect our thoughts too. He wants us to thrust into his goodness. Now don't miss this because so many people misquote verse 33 and verse 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now what's he talking about? All these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about your daily provisions. Your needs. That's what he's talking about. Because that's what he's doing. He said, look, some of them are out there. That's all they're worried about. They've gotten so covered up with materialism. Their heart's so covered with that. They have no time to serve me. All they're worried about is what they can get, what they can gain. They want to make sure they got that extra dollar. They want to make sure they get all they can. They're consumed by materialism. Then he says, then there's some. They're worried about all of their daily needs and other things. But here's what he's saying. He said, you need to thrust into my goodness. Notice he says, you need to thrust in the goodness of his will. Here's what he's trying to say. Rather than worrying, here's what you need to do. Why don't you seek? Why don't you search after? Why don't you pursue? Why don't you desire? Why don't you strive for? Why don't you endeavor for God's will in your life? And by the way, God's will for your life and my life is to seek him first. And then all these other things should be added unto you. There it is. Are we seeking his will? See, the kingdom of God is God's rule. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look, we ought to be seeking, striving for, thrusting ourselves into the goodness of his rule in our life. Now, this is a foreign statement today, I hate to say, to most Christians. They have no idea what it means to thrust themselves into the will of God. Here's what we normally do. We're going to put all of our needs in and then we'll tack him on at the end. We're going to do everything else then we'll tack him on if we got room for him. No. God says no. That's why you're sitting around worrying. Look, he said don't worry because he has a divine warranty. Here's what he says. He says all these things shall be added unto you. It's a warranty that is backed by his reputation and his riches. But notice the wording shall be added. Notice the wording. Shall be added. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things 
shall be added. So in other words, it's future passive. Here's what that means. The warranty's only good if you seek his kingdom first. Are we seeking him? Are we seeking his will? And I'm going to be honest with you, church. We live in a day now where there's a bunch of Christian con jobbers. We hear the talk. We hear the talk. I hear the talk. You hear the talk. And they tap just enough a little bit of God in there like, a, like you know, oh, well, I want everybody to think I'm spiritual, but really we're not because we're seeking everything but Him. We're worrying about everything else but Him. But he says that's why the church, that's why we're worry wards because we're not, we're not consumed with God's will and God's work. He says seek ye first. This warranty is only good if you seek it. Notice he didn't say all these things are going to be added unto you. No. He said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then these things shall be added unto you. That's not my word, those are his. So we understand that it is a warranty, but it's, it's, we also understand that it's based upon our actions. Are we seeking his will? Do we have a desire to do God's will? I've heard it for years, and I'm not being ugly, but I've heard so many seniors lie in churches. Because here's what they say. Oh, I just want the, what the Lord wants in my life. They no more want what the Lord wants for their life in the, in the man in the moon. I've heard it all my life say, oh, I just want the will of God. Well, that ain't true. I'm just going to be honest. Most of them, all they can't wait to get out of school and do their own thing. Amen. If I, y'all won't amen it, I'll amen it. It's very accurate. And I think reason being is because we're not training our children to seek the will of God. We're not living and consumed by the will of God. We've learned some kind of a way to kind of, to kind of produce a Christian something of doing. But no, the Bible says if you will seek him, his will, then he says all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about it. How do you keep from worrying? Well, we've got to think about his greatness. We've got to think about his graciousness. We need to thrust ourselves into God's will. And I'm going to close. What's the cause of worry? You know, people and all of us, you know what we worry? We worry about many things, but God specifically hones in on what? Food, our clothing, our health. He deals with all that in this passage of Scripture. He says, why are you worrying about what you're going to take thought for tomorrow? It's your life. What are you going to eat? Your clothing. How are you going to do that? He says, take no thought. I take care of all that. But to be fair, we worry about those things. We worry about future. We worry about the future of our families, our children, our grandchildren. Here's I found this statistic. I thought this was interesting. 40% of what we worry about will never happen. Think, I want y'all to think about that. Because I, I, that's probably true. That's real close. 40% of what we worry about will never Because, I mean, there's people that are worried about things. And I'm like, well, don't worry about it yet. You don't know that's what it's going to be. And you know what's amazing? 60% of the time, it's not. 40% of what we worry about will never happen. Look here. 30% has already happened. 12% is unfounded criticism from others. 10% is our health. Y'all ready? The last 
is actual problems. Oh, we have them. But I thought this was powerful. There's 8% we really got problems and there's something that we need to do something about. But that means if this holds true, and I think it holds true, it's close. 92% of our worry is useless. 92% of our worry is a waste of time. And worrying about the 8% didn't help the situation either. So that's the cause of worry. Look at the cost of worry. Don't you hate paying? I hate paying interest, boy. Y'all like paying interest? Y'all like paying interest on your house, your car? I like getting them low interest rates. Y'all with me? That's why credit card debt, it, it's the worst debt a person can get in. It's over 20% interest rate. Y'all with me? Some of them higher. And you'll never get that thing paid off by paying the minimum on it. I hate paying interest. But you know what? Here's what's amazing. We pay a lot of interest, and we're spending a lot. We pay when we... We're paying a lot of interest when we're borrowing from tomorrow for tomorrow's problems. The poet said, for every evil under the sun, there's either a cure or there is none. If there be a cure, seek till you find it. Y'all like that phrase? Seek till you find it. A little personal joke there. Another cost of worry, and I'm going to close. It's contagious. I'm going to tell you all right now, I can be fine. Not a storm in the sky, not a cloud in the sky, but I can get around some people, and I mean, oh, my goodness. And I'm sitting there going, no, it really ain't like that. It's okay. And then I go home, I get to think, oh, man, should I be worrying about that? And you know what? Pretty soon, that's exactly I'm and y'all know what I start doing? I start making phone calls. And I can't go into all the detail about that, but like, so y'all know I've made many phone calls after I've gotten home from a church service. Because I'm worried about something that might have been said or done or something. I'm like, oh, I gotta make sure. And man, I start to worry about that. But I was fine. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Can anybody here say, oh, me, that you might be that kind of person? That you're like the one that brings everybody else to worry? Nobody's going to admit that tonight. But we got some in the church. And there's probably been times I've done it. But I'm going to tell you all something right now. Worry's contagious. But I'm going to tell you all right now, too. Faith is, too. Trust in the Lord is, too. And I'm not, I'm not just calling him out. But, you know, somebody that just... It is an encouragement. We got a bunch of them here, but Mr. Palmer, I mentioned him earlier today. He's just, a, he's just an encouragement. You know, it's like, you know, your dog just got hit in the road. It's okay. It was the Lord's will. He's better off. I mean, I, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that in a joking way. We need to be that way because we need to trust. We need to look at the goodness of the Lord so we know that worry is contagious, but so is encouragement and faith. And the cure for worry. Remember the father factor. I want to close. Verse 32. He wants the best for you children. How many of y'all want the best for y'all's children? 
You really do, don't you? So you ever have to worry about that? I mean, you don't ever have to worry about that. I mean, a father and a mother want the best for the children. Well, let me help y'all. Here's another reason. If our children really knew, they would never worry as children. If they really knew how much we love them, how much we want for them, how best, they would never worry. And same with us. If we really knew how much he wants for us, it would take a lot of our worry away. That's the father factor and then the focus factor. When worried, you're out of focus. We're out of focus when we worry, folks. We're out of focus. We're out of focus. We need to get refocused. We need to remember the focus factor. We need to remember we try to put things first and then we add God in later. No, God doesn't just want a place in our hearts. He just doesn't want to be prominent in your life. He wants to be preeminent. So if we're worrying about something, my first question to you are, and for me, is he preeminent in your life? Are we seeking him and his righteousness? We need to focus factor. If we're worrying, if we're worrying, I'm telling you right now, we're out of focus. We need to trust. And we know his greatness, we know his goodness, and we know his grace, and we know his will for us. He's our father. He wants best for us. I don't know about y'all, but we can trust him. How many of y'all know you can trust him? And you know, you put that in application of your life. You think about things in the future that you're not aware of. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm concerned about the future. I think every Christian ought to be concerned about the future, but that concern ought to be in the will of God. Trusting the Lord. Yes, there's some unbelief, but Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to trust you. Worry. Don't worry. Be happy. And all God's people said. Let's stand to our feet. And you know what? Aren't you glad? If you're saved tonight, aren't you thankful? I'm telling you right now, being saved is the greatest gift we've ever been given. Uh, someone told me, I think it was Brother Don, um, there was someone that was watching the service Sunday. You know, I just preached a straight gospel message on how to be saved and talked about it is finished. Jesus Christ covered it all. So if you're here tonight, you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior. You do not know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven. Jesus died for you. He paid the price of your sin. It is finished. There's nothing else you need to do but trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen? But Brother Don told me that uh, he had a lost friend, and so they sent that message to his law, the lost friend. And I want to say, I'm glad that we have a salvation given to us by a Heavenly Father that knows and wants the best for us. And if He knows enough to save our souls, He'll take care of all that other stuff. Amen? Let's trust Him. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, how many of you just was encouraged tonight? You're thankful. You want to refocus on His goodness, His grace, His will. How many of you know that? Would you raise your hand? Let's ask God to help us. God help us. Now look, we're all going to struggle. We're human. But these are some things that can help redirect our thoughts in the darkest of our nights and the darkest of our worries. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, you said it very clear. And I'm sure in that moment you said it very dogmatic. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that everyone worries about shall be added unto them. God, help us to trust you. Help us to be consumed with your will and your work, and we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great evening.